0: This is the Stay Healthy Experience with Daniel Baldwin, Barbara Chris, and yours truly, Robert Ferguson. And each and every week, our goal is to share with you guys information that will inspire, put you on fire to live your best life. And today, I'm extremely excited uh, to introduce you guys to a friend of mine, uh, Daniel and Barbara, which we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Ken Brown is an international business coach. His background, his story is more than inspirational. And we were on a tour together. So we were both, you know, keynote speakers and we traveled, I don't know, probably about five years. Right, Ken?
1: Yeah, the, the, the Money Wise tour.
0: That's Woo! right. And we were educating people. And, you know, I meet Ken for the first time. And, and oftentimes when you're on these speaking tours, you, you take a moment, um, aside from meeting them in the green room, but you get to like sit and watch them do their talk. And so I must have seen Ken do his presentation, uh, let's say 15 times. And every time, man, every time, Ken, you kept, you kept my attention, bro. I mm-hmm. think you're amazing. And uh, you're sitting with some two amazing people. Uh, Daniel knows a lot about a lot. Uh, Barbara has an uh, amazing background. She knows some things. <laughs> oh, man.
2: Hey, Barbara, you hear that bus?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, well, um, let, me, let me just preface
0: by saying, Anyone who has a business, whether it's a multi-level marketing business, whether you're a physician, you're trying to build your business, you're a chiropractor, even the business of being an actor, uh, you're going to enjoy this time. And so, Ken, would you be so kind as to kind of give a snapshot of your background as an introduction to our our viewers and listeners, but also, of course, for uh, Barbara and Daniel, since they're meeting you for the first time?
1: Well, that's great. Thanks, Lott. I appreciate this opportunity just to share and inspire uh, people man, across the globe. So, yeah, I'm from Chicago, Ken Brown. I'm a uh, product of the teenage parents. My mother and father were 13 and 14 when they started having babies. Why that, I'm going to say that again for you. My mother and father were 13 <laughs> and 14 when they started having babies. But I said, Ken, we're talking about business, but why is that important? Because I believe that, you know, we, we, as entrepreneurs, we have to commit to no excuses, only results. Life had dealt me a hand you know, 13 to 14, I never forget growing up, I, I used to hear my mother and father's friends tell us, t- tell them, you know what, go live in the projects, put them kids in the projects, forget it, their life is over. But my parents had a vision and entrepreneurs, we have to have a vision. You know, it's funny, I love vision. Vision is the art of seeing the invisible. And then when we can see the invisible, then we can do the impossible. And so I had to re- that was my foundation, and so, but my mother and father always told us that you can be what you want to be, do what you want to do, have what you want to have, but freedom has a price. And so we went to, we went to a private school. That we, look, we lived in poverty, but my parents never let poverty live in us. I gotta say that again for you. We lived in poverty, but they made sure that poverty never lived in us. how did they do that? They gave us exposure and opportunity. They gave us exposure, and they gave us access to opportunity like even going to a private school they really couldn't afford it but they had to make short-term sacrifices for long-term results whoa i gotta say that again for you all they made short-term sacrifices for long-term results let me tell you something i can remember those years and those are formative years too we're going to a private school paying money david daniel and barbara guess what we're paying the money but we came home almost for two years didn't have lights, didn't have gas, sometimes didn't have heat, but we always had hope. Woo, come on somebody, and hope is being able to see past today. And so I went on and made it through those tough and challenging times, but you know what? Those were the best time of my life because I really believed that we shouldn't focus on what we're going through, we have to focus on where we're going to. And so I wind up um, going to college, majoring in hotel restaurant management, because I said, Ken, how can I recession-proof my life? And I figured out that you need three things to survive in this world, food, water, and shelter. So then I had to position myself and my, my, my business around, around a need. So I said, people need food, water, and shelter. So I majored in hotel restaurant management. I wound up going to Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, majoring in food and nutrition, and wound up uh, becoming assistant food service director. A lady named Mary uh, hired me uh, Aramark, uh it was a food service company, still out there right now. I was assistant food service director as soon as I matriculated. i never forget, I did that job for six months, six months. Then one day I walked into my office and Mary said, Ken, I gotta see you. Hey family, guess what? I thought she was promoting me. She sat me down in my office and said, Ken, I gotta let you go. I said, okay, Mary, what's my next assignment? She said, Ken, you're fired. That's what I said, Barbara, I said, No reason, no documentation, but but you know what? It was it it was it was divine. See, I really believe that it was providence. See, providence is the progressive revelation of God's purpose for your life. Ooh, I gotta say it again for somebody. (laughs) Providence is the progressive revelation for God' purpose for your life. I wanted to work in the corporate ladder and move up, but He has something bigger and better for me, and she wound up firing me, but she thinks she fired me. And you all, Robert, if you see Mary, her name was Mary Segwich. I'm still looking for her. She gave me a, the greatest gift because she didn't fire me. She freed me. Come on, baby. Come on, y'all. We get excited. See, freedom. She freed me so I can walk and step into my greatness because I got this thinking feeling that if she wouldn't have made me get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. See, that's as entrepreneurs, that's what we have to do. The one thing we have to do, we spend so much time trying to, do a business plan, do a marketing, customer acquisition. No, no, we, that, that's, that's the first thing we do. Our job is to be uncomfortable, being uncomfortable, being stretched. She stretched me. So, long story short, I wound up taking not jobs, opportunities in the restaurant. I work for the Marriott. And one thing Mary taught me is that she taught me that you're good as your last day. So, that put in my mind that, you know what? I will never let a person place a thing determine my future. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. That's how I became an entrepreneur, was getting fired for my first job. So then I said, okay, let me go take these jobs with these other companies so I can learn systems. And system means save yourself time, energy, and money. So I worked with the Marriott Corporation, stayed there six months, added value. And then I left there, went and went two of the jobs, and wound up in two, 1999. I took a job with the entrepreneur who had erected a brand new, built a brand new restaurant, and I went in there to help him out. Now I got a degree in hotel restaurant management, and I was actually going in there to sell him some food. But when I saw he needed help, the entrepreneur should be kicked in. Wait a minute, find a need and fill it. This man is opened up a restaurant, a beautiful Italian restaurant, in two weeks, and he said, Ken Brown. I don't have enough people, so I humbled myself, and the Bible says, to be truly great, you must first serve others, so I humbled myself and went in there at five o'clock every day and on weekends not to be a manager and was a server, and as fate should have it, I'm serving tables in there, and I was serving a McDonald's vice president unbeknownst to me. Uh, The Bible says, be careful because you might be entertaining angels unaware, and she saw me And I gave gave her this outstanding service. I was taking ownership. See, ownership is not about about what you own. It's about doing all that you can with all that you have from the place that you are. She saw that. And she said, Ken Brown, she said, "Um, I need you with my team. She didn't know nothing about my past. She didn't ask for a resume because she saw me and saw me performing. And lo and behold, she was a vice president of McDonald's she walked me to the bank and got me three million dollars and i became the youngest african-american owner of two McDonald's franchises built one from the ground and did that for for 12 years and then i decided to i had won every award made 50 million dollars over 10 years in sales 150 employees and i decided that you know what most people across the country never get an opportunity like this and they go into business but they never, they don't know about systems and processes. And so I said, let me become a coach, became a certified coach, and wound up retiring from McDonald's at the age 42 years old. And now um, I help small businesses build, scale, grow, and sustain. Man, it's the most exciting, rewarding thing ever. Y'all, my name is Ken Brown. That's my story. I'm sticking to it, David. <laughs>
0: Kim, before these guys start asking questions, <laughs> you said your mom right because i think your stories the timing of your story is is amazing for wow. where we are at this moment in time wow you're you were born to mom and dad started having kids at 13 and 14 years of age in chicago correct yes sir inglewood inglewood not just so, Chicago, inglewood the hood all right the hood so fast forward nice. how many siblings and how successful have your family your siblings been thank you very much That's a great question
1: so it's five of us i'm number two all five of us went to college three of the five have master degrees see it's not about the education it's about about the opportunity you know but my parents told us that education is the way out of poverty and so my sister two sisters are about to retire at 50 years i retired at 42 two sisters about to retire. Uh, my brother uh, works in transportation and my, my other sister uh, is it works for a, a technology company. And so very, very succe- good, great people, first of all, grounded. Um, but think about that. Mother and father didn't have any degrees. Now all five of us have degrees. And me, I'm saying this humbly, I have four sons, three of my sons, two of my sons already graduated from college. My third son just graduated Sunday and is going to college uh, next uh, into this month. So, um, And what I want to say is that the Bible says, you will know a tree by its fruit. See, that's not about me. It's about the fruit of a root of what my parents instilled in us. I believe that your parents' life, our life as students' children, is the garden and the parents' life, they are the gardeners. So my parents simply planted seeds, pulled out weeds. Planted seeds, and <laughs> pulled out weeds. Woo! Come on, somebody. Oh my goodness. That's a
3: good one. Plant <laughs> seeds, pull weeds.
0: That's
2: so, that, so, that,
0: go ahead. So that's Daniel,
2: then you notice that this man is one of faith. He is a, is a strong believer, sir. You know, you know, I could I could summarize a couple of things. You know, it's funny how um I listened to his uh the gospel. Um, wow. and, this is, and this is his gospel. And so um, God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. When that woman said, I got to let you go, that was the divine intervention for you, brother. Come on, Daniel. That was a divine intervention for you. Now, you Woo! bring up something else that I'm going to go ahead and take the risk that Robert's not going to yell at me later. <laughs> this morning, I was on the phone with Brother Robert, and I was telling him about my frustration with how the system is. And the system is set up in such that white America will spend $75,000 to put a young African American man in prison but they won't spend $15,000 to try to help him get an equal education to his brother, white kid in the same city. Once we figure that out and you were a prime example of what happens when you make the investment in an education and level the playing field. Now we're talking about what, what, what are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? You're going to pay later or you could pay a smaller amount now. Come on now. now if you make that investment in that education. It proves to pay those dividends every single time is there any bad apples in the bunch of yes. course there are no matter what your race religion or creed is there's going to be kids that get in trouble but in the african-american community if you leveled the playing field and gave them the same educational athletic and all the opportunities that they have in privileged white america you would not have this problem we have today i, I anyway. would agree i would
1: that, that's so powerful and you know what i think and I, I want to make sure that i'm totally transparent with you all and my parents, and my parents, was focusing on education because they didn't have it. Think about it, thirteen and fourteen. My mother could not go to school because she had, by the age of thirteen, by the age of twenty, she had five kids under eight. So my father had worked three jobs, so he couldn't finish education. But when they said education was the way out of poverty, it they wasn't talking about reading, writing, arithmetic. It was it was information. My father exposed me to. We sat down and had lunch with people in the Jewish community, uh, Indians. I was My father traveled books. I got book look books. I, I'm, I'm an avid reader because my father had a library. So I think also we have to take ownership as well and we have to expose our st- students. See, my motto is too is that no excuses, only results. You're right. We lived in poverty, but we never let poverty live in us. We didn't have access to education all the time, but we made sure that my parents put us in a position that we have access to opportunity and but when we it's this quote that says it's worse to have an opportunity and not be prepared for it than not to have an opportunity at all whoa i gotta say that again for y'all i guess that's a chicken nugget somebody (laughs) it's worse to have an opportunity and not be prepared for it than have an opportunity oh then not have opportunity at all that's what i would tell i tell all of my friends and anyone in my spirit influence we cannot cry about the opportunity, but make sure that you're ready for the opportunity. Because guess what, Daniel and Barbara and Robert, I was not looking for the opportunity. There's this old energy that said, don't get ready, stay ready. So, so the lady at the restaurant, I wasn't looking, remember, I wasn't looking for an opportunity to become a McDonald's franchisee. I wanted to own my own business because I want. My mother father told me, they lied to me, you all. They told me, go to school, get an education, and you will be free. I went to school, got an education, and got fired from my job. So that's when I said, I will be the master of my faith. I'll be the captain of my soul. And I wanted to become an entrepreneur because I wanted to be able to create my own opportunity. And so when I went to that restaurant serving, the Bible says, to be truly great, you must first serve others. I went in that restaurant, I had a degree, in hotel restaurant management, I had the core skills and capacity to run the restaurant, but that man didn't need that. What he needed was somebody to take care of his customers. So guess what? I served them in excellence. I took ownership. See, everybody wanted to be an owner, but entrepreneurship is about taking ownership. So I took ownership of it, and the lady recognized it, and Daniel, you couldn't be more right. It was divine intuition. Remember, in the book of Hebrews, now it's not religion, you all, the word is a blueprint for successful sex in life, and it says, be careful because you might be entertaining angels unaware. I want to talk to everybody who's listening. you want to be free, you want to be healthy, you never know who' watching you. you never know you I, I'm not special. I'm not unique. most people want an opportunity you all, but guess what? the opportunity probably already passed them, but they did not know how to identify it, how to leverage it, and how to maximize it. Come on, somebody, help me out. All right, well,
0: hey, so, uh, so let me throw something out for all of you guys, and that is excitement or enthusiasm. You know, like, the, as the saying goes, nothing great ever takes place unless you're excited about it. And yeah. I remember, like, the, one of the last times I was with Jack LaLanne, the late, great Jack LaLanne, uh, in our conversation at his home, he said, Robert, if you're excited about something, don't keep it a secret. And wow. many times I would watch you walk into those churches when we did that those tours, Ken. And uh, and it's so funny, Barbara and Daniel, because you have a lot of people that show up at these opportunities, right? Um, to learn about business, to, to take control of their life, but they don't look excited about it. Wow. And Ken would go up sometimes as the first, and I would feel for Ken because... <laughs> There, you got five hundred thousand people just kind of looking at you like, okay, yeah. And Ken just like, in the end, Ken wow. would always bring them around. <laughs> you
1: know what, Robert? Robert? I thank you for that. You know what, you all, Bobber and Daniel. You know what? I can't tell you where I got it from, but passion is real. And I want to tell the story right quick. But Bob, would you just, descri- would you just describe? Was is that? I believe this. And our job. Our job is to. Wake up every day as entrepreneurs, as thought leaders, as business leaders, and very, very intently, our job, our job, number one job is this, is to set yourself on fire, then people will pay to watch you burn. I'm going to say it again for you. That's what Robert is talking about. I wake up every day, I do two things every day, you all, for the last maybe 20 years. I wake up every day, I set myself on fire, then people pay to watch you burn. Periods. The second thing is, I wake up every day and I find ways. I don't know how to respond to that. Did that make sense? I find ways to get uncomfortable. Why, Ken? Because I can only grow when I'm uncomfortable. You know. So, I, and, and you know, and it's just such a wonderful thing, man. It's not about me. It's just that this is what we teach people. You know. Just this morning, a quick story. This morning, I'm on the call. I have a, a client whose her business is so hot right now, doing a pandemic. We've put together these systems and processes. She, we're on a call today. She has doubled her business this time last year. We in, we, in, we in months eight, mind blown, but it's systems. System means save yourself time, energy, and money. We're on a call, Daniel, and guess what? And we're on a call, and we should have had a call last night, a strategy call, right? And we're calling the CFO, and we're not getting the answer. So being patient. We on a call this morning at 7 a.m. and we had a a high level conversation. And the comment was, well, we don't need to get emotional. Really, Robert, that's the problem. People, emotional is passion. Most people don't have a passion. They, 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 They wait for so much stuff outside of them to motivate them. You have to, my father taught me this. My father said, Ken Brown, he said, you need to find a cause bigger than yourself and get lost in it. Woo, y'all what I said? See, it's not about us, but it's up to us. Leaders know the way, show the way, and go the way. If you, if you don't wanna do that, you're not a leader. And people right now, especially in these times you all, the Bible says your light cannot be hidden under a bushel. In these dark times, people are looking for the light. They're looking for hope. Opportunity. They're looking for someone with some good, positive energy, so they can pull off of us. Does that make sense? And we need that. So this is the time right now, you all, that we have to be lit. Woo! I'm lit, y'all. And guess what, you all? It ain't coffee. This is absolutely underrated passion. Oh my goodness, y'all! Y'all got me. See, this is powerful energy. <laughs>
3: Notes this whole time. I'm like, I think I'm on page four already.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Oh my goodness, it's good I have stuff. A it?
3: For you, can because you, you you mentioned something about how your parents how they really impressed upon you and your siblings the importance of education because they couldn't they didn't they couldn't have it or they you know they couldn't go after that. And I you know my parents they you know they're both my father's from the Philippines, my mom's from Italy. You know, and when you know they had us kids, they totally completely impressed upon us education education education. and it was a great thing um but do you think that that I don't know that paradigm has shifted over time as far as not saying that education isn't important but maybe that the opportunities like you expressed is beyond that being more entrepreneurial you know in spirit with, with respect to not just you know following like a kind of a mold like a traditional mold do you feel like that's transitioned or evolved
1: over time it has and that, that's a great point but i think that that it has i think that um right now we call it the microwave mentality because of social media you know remember the michael jordan commercial with michael jordan said Nike cook commercial he says i think it's my fault i think i made it look too easy you didn't see me when i was getting cut You didn't see me when I was doing wind sprints. You didn't see me when I was in my driveway shooting a thousand jumpers every day. No lights, no camera. I think as entrepreneurs, we have made it seem easy. And then you add social media. A lot of people think they can bypass the formal education or or, or getting coaching. I I never forget. Now I got a degree, but when I wanted to become an entrepreneur, I still invested into my business. I remember Stephen Covey, had a coaching program. And can I be honest with you, I'll be transparent. Now, remember, I I had a degree in hotel restaurant management. I worked a job. But Daniel, instantly, suddenly, here I am, catapulted, not working for McDonald's, signing an agreement, getting a loan from a bank for $3 million, paying $27,000 a month in debt service, 150 employees, building McDonald's from the ground, I didn't get to go to school for that, but the opportunity presented itself. So guess what? I knew, that I, was, that my, I knew that my talent and my mouth and my experience had took me farther than I had the capacity to. That makes sense? So the Bible says two are better than one. If one falls down, the other's there to pick him up, and the 3 chord strand can be easily broken. So guess what? I came home one day, and I got a letter in the mail that said, Ken Brown, are you, are you feeling stressed? Yes. Are you getting over your head? Yes. And it said, we have a, a coaching program, a pilot program, Stephen Covey coaching. I, I didn't think about it because my parents told me about education, not formal education information. I, I paid that gentleman $8,000, never saw in my life before, but once a week we got on the call and he held me accountable. Ken, are you taking, are you going on dates with your wife? Are you studying your word? Are you working out? He's that was, for me, investing into myself. I think right now we've made it look easy for people right now, and they're thinking that you can put up a website, you can get, get a lot of people and follow you, and then you are an entrepreneur. That is not the case. You have to be able to build infrastructure. You have to surround yourself with what we call a, a dream team, people who are smarter than you, who add value to you, this is the kind of stuff we have to teach because people to your to your question, Barbara, people are thinking they can skip those steps and leapfrog, but then they pay dividends in the background because, as you all know, building a life, a marriage, a family, or a business, it's all about the foundation. Do that make sense?
3: Oh, absolutely. And in fact, yeah. <clears throat> about uh, you know, from the corporate world versus being an entrepreneur. So I spent close to twenty years in corporate America in the aerospace industry, and I thought and and. And it was in you know an engineering firm, so it was a aerospace business. So we were talk about regiment, talk about discipline. That's what we were about. Yeah. But I have to tell you, when I left, I, I voluntarily left, you know, to become an entrepreneur, thinking that hey, if I you know I had it under control there, I've got discipline, I've got I know structure. It was a completely different beast to be wow. an entrepreneur. And the discipline that you say is to be an entrepreneur to keep things going, I would say it's. I mean, Im- immensely beyond the di- the discipline that I even had in the corporate world. Like, that's probably one of the toughest lessons I learned is that this now it's up to you, like you said. There's a difference between, you know, having ownership for something and then, or, you know, externally owning something. Come oh, on, wow. Absolutely different. And I, I love that. Now we- five years later.
0: <laughs> it's funny because, like, you brought up something and my mind went to boxers right because a lot of times people see the boxer enter the ring but they don't realize there's a manager there's an agent there's the wife Mm -hmm. there's a support system there's a trainer there's a nutritionist the conditioning guy and everybody's helping that one person be accountable and then Mm -hmm. my mind you know i look at daniel and i go okay it's got to be the same way because you also made a comment you have a lot of kids who want to be famous they want to be an actor but they don't realize the amount of energy and work you have to put into becoming an actor yeah, You know, and the next thing you know, you're thrown out in front because you got 30 million followers on Instagram and you're and you got to do a scene with Daniel and Daniel's like,
2: are you guys serious? <laughs>
0: that has to well,
2: happen. Well, there's a, there's a, so, so a few things that, that when we're talking about what Ken was comparing, you know, a little more back in the day to now. What I think you find now because of social media is that you can have people with very limited talent become very, very successful. Wow. Um, you know, they, they, it's like when they diluted the NBA to, they went from 12 teams to 20 teams to 28 teams. And you know what, the level of play drops when you're putting, you know, 12 guys on a team times 34 teams versus when you had 20 teams. It was that much more elite to get there. There are people that have 5 million followers that are on the back of a friend of mine's boat every night that you know, can barely spell their name, but they uh-huh. flunked into something. One thing that hasn't changed one thing that hasn't changed knowledge is power and <clears throat> you can't be afraid to take risks Come on. You cannot be afraid to fail wow. and the third thing that is the most important to me is don't ever let anyone outwork you you have to hustle and that's what one thing i've learned about even these guys that are influencers even people that are members of my own family and related to members of my family where i go that dude has how many followers? You know, this girl has how many followers doing what? What are they? But you know what? They've maximized the opportunity and they hustle. you got to hustle. If you don't get in the game and hustle hard, you're not going to. You may flash, but you won't maintain it. <laughs> stable, no way.
1: Sustainability. That, that, I think that then you nailed it. And that's, that, and that's a great look. That's, Robert, that's a great point. Because think about it. Is that I had already, I was always working on me. Think about it. My, I was developing an entrepreneurial mindset, entrepreneurial spirit. I wasn't trying to get an opportunity, but when the opportunity came, I didn't have to call. I, I was able to scale this business, not bragging, but true story. This is the absolute joy. Now, the sto- two stores that McDonald's sold me, they were underperforming. To be honest, they were not setting me up for success. They, they, they see people like, oh, opportunity, but these stores were underperforming. The average McDonald restaurant was doing $2 million a year in revenue. The ones that they, they gave me, one was starting from scratch. I built it. The other one was doing 1.3, but guess what? I wasn't scared. I was able to take a risk. I was betting on me. I know I'm a great leader. I know, my, I know I'm passionate. I have customer service skills that are bar none, and guess what? In six, true story, I took the bad, I took the opportunity, I worked, I locked myself in my store so many nights, didn't go home because I, I knew I was behind learning curve, but I stayed there, talking to the controller about numbers, about the balance sheet, about cash flow, RI, SOI. oh, <laughs> depreciation, becoming a surgeon matter expert. And then guess what? In six months. I get a call from the vice president to come shoulder saying, Ken Brown, can we renegotiate your deal? Guess what? Those stores that were projected, they projected it. My not my projections, this global company projected these stores would not do, would only do $1.6 million in six months. We did a million dollars. We were on pace to do $2 million. That's my stores did $2 million in one year. Uh the first year opened it up, and then we went to 2.8 million and $2.7 million, double-digit increases every year that I owned them. Because of what you're talking about, Daniel, I was committed to my craft. I stayed humble, but I was hungry. Can I say that again for somebody? I was <laughs> humble, but I was hungry. Ooh, come on, somebody. And so <laughs> it, it, it's something about that that never goes away. Oh, you know? okay. And When you get all these people following you, you know, you're following you, you're right. You're right. You don't build that muscle up. Like you all, like Robert, you, 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 in, you in strength strengthen health and wellness. It's a muscle. Entrepreneurship is a muscle. You have to work it. You have to stretch your mind. And my philosophy is this, you all. I always, and I will always be committed to anybody I coach, I tell them, you work like an entrepreneur. I mean, you work like an employee, but you think like an entrepreneur. I got to say that again for you. You work, like I don't care if you're a CEO, you got a PhD, but what you PhD doing? Woo, come on somebody, I got to say that again for you. You got a PhD, what you PhD doing? Titles? So even though I'm a CEO of my company, guess what? I still work like an employee. What do that mean? Not work hard, but guess what? I go in, I work shoulder to shoulder, boots on the ground with them. We call it a shadow of a leader. Shadow of a leader. I'm the pace car. I'm the pace car. No, then you back out. But then I think like an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs think risk, think strategy, think long term. And so that balance right there, it really serves me well. And anybody who's listening, I don't care what your title is. You should be humble, but stay hungry. Work like an employee, but think like an entrepreneur. Woo, mind hey, your business. Hey, hey, hey,
0: your hey, <laughs> so one of the things that you brought up, right? So we have, uh, we have life Coaches. Yeah. And a lot of them, they, they have an idea that they want to become a coach. And they jump in, they get certified, the mentoring is available. But they don't have that, that inner passion that each one of us is demonstrating right now. And, and this is what I mean. It's almost like it's borderline narcissistic. Wow. Right? So, so when I would be with the professional fighters, they would talk in third person when it was just them. <laughs> <laughs> and so but but a lot of them were humble and if you look at like warriors of of the past they're really really they're, they're humble and I would I would beg to differ or like not to differ but like my question to 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 Daniel and to Barbara and back to you Ken for anyone who's watching how important is it Daniel like when you walk on the set to know you belong there. I mean, you Got sit it. down with some, some amazing actors. Like, if I was gonna do a scene with Morgan Freeman, I would be like, shit, I don't think I can, I would, I would, I would, I would have a tough time, but based on my past and other areas of my life, I would go, how do I <coughs> build up that inner strength that makes me feel like I, de- I
2: deserve to be there? I never had that button. That It, it, it didn't <laughs> occur for me when I walked on set. It occurred for most actors when you walked into the audition. Oh, and I'll, wow. tell you, I'll tell you a story. I'm going in to read for Oliver Stone for uh, the thirteen Academy Award nominated, uh, Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I'm about to go in and Alec had worked with, um, with Oliver on a movie called Talk Radio. So I called Alec up and I said, hey, man, I'm going in to read for Stone today. You know, any advice? He goes, get him, man go get him i said what do you mean he goes he's a misogynistic you know he's he's into that whole mono mono crap he said i went hey you're not telling billy or steven to go get him you're telling me to go get him should i go get him he goes get him so i walk into the audition and in the audition um it was my walking tom cruise into the democratic national convention while all the rioting's going on pretty big movie you know and uh Oliver had a set up in a children's dance studio with two chairs in the middle of the studio and no other furniture with the dance rails all the way around it. And these tiny little like grade school seats, like just trying to, he did everything he could to, with your brain, you know? So Billy Hopkins and Risa Braman are the casting directors. And Billy goes, Now, you know, when you walk in, don't look. I went, Man, go away. I walked in, I had a backpack. I turned around, I went to go sit down. He goes, And Oliver kind of talks like this. And he says, you know, man, I had Billy Baldwin in the movie and Stephen Baldwin in the movie. And I offered your brother Alec a role, but he was doing some stupid thing called Beetle Goose. And he couldn't, I went, you mean Beetlejuice, it made $150 million domestically. I said, are you done talking about all my brothers? Because I thought I came here to audition for a movie. And he looked up at me and I took my bag, I put it down in the chair in front of him. I walked behind him and put my hands on his shoulders from behind, like he was in the wheelchair. And I pushed him forward. I was going to do the whole scene behind him and not let him see me do a word. When I pushed his shoulders forward, I went this hard and smacked him in the back of the head. And I went, take the break off. And writing character, Oliver Stone bent down and pretended he was taking the break off the wheelchair. I walked behind him and did the whole scene. He never saw me say a word. As soon as I got the last word out, I picked up the bag, I threw it on my shoulder, I walked out the door, I didn't even say goodbye. He hired me before I got home to my apartment. Come on, Daniel. Hired me before I got there. I smacked him and treated him. But you know what, though? I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid. Because if somebody else got the job, then somebody else got the job. That wasn't because they were better than me. It was because he made a mistake and he took somebody else. That's when I do that, what you're talking about. Once I'm on set, I already got the job. I'm cool with that. But in the audition, (laughs) I'm fearless in auditions. I'll do craziest shit. I'll that's do crazy awesome. stuff in auditions. Yeah, that's great story, man. That's powerful. <laughs> so, right. hey, just
0: slap him in the back
2: of the neck. You know what I mean? Like someone smacked him. him right in the back of the head. <laughs> it, was, it was, like, it was, it was like an old school Robert Ferguson overhead. <laughs> wow,
3: that's awesome. So,
2: that, I'll go ahead, Barbara.
3: You no, know, I was just gonna say, you know, and that confidence to do that, whether it's like an audition like that, or you're gonna go see, or or you're gonna go coach someone. Yeah. I believe that confidence comes from, you know, paying your dues. Like you said,
1: no. Yeah,
3: you know your stuff, you've invested in yourself. Um, you know that you've put it all out on the table and, you know, you're just going to just going to deliver yourself. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think as coaches and being in the coaching, you know, industry, I mean, we see that and we see how important it is to get people to to realize mm-hmm. that, that you have to, invest in yourself and learn and be humble in order to have that confidence to then take those risks that you want to, to take, you know? It's not just going to come from, you know, just kind of winging it. I mean, I guess you can, but there, there's got to be substance behind that.
0: Well, Let me throw out a question for all of you guys and starting with you, Ken, because there's a term being used a lot right now with businesses called pivoting. Wow. And it seems like everyone's pivoting and the ones who are pivoting, they're discovering new opportunities, and, and they're taking their business to a whole nother level. Like in, in California, can right now, three of my personal friends that had personal training studios, who are quote, they're, they're done. They, they closed. Don't. Wow. But then we had, I have a couple other friends. They went and they discovered Zoom. Yeah. They did a whole workouts online. They take people to the parks. Oh, yeah. They did, they, they pivoted. And so I would love, there's a lot of people right now who are watching this and they're having a great time and they're picking up some inspiration, but let's give them some tools on what we, and some clarity on what we mean by pivoting and being open to those opportunities. That is a tremendous
1: question, brother. I'm so glad because that's probably the number one thing that makes this thing ring because uh, I guess guess we talked about it earlier is that we, it's one thing as entrepreneurs, we're very focused, right? But I also said that we have to find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. So one thing I'm telling my clients and what we have a success is you you have to really be able to reevaluate your whole business model. And that's very challenging. You know why? Because most people fall in love with their business. You ever heard a person say, my business is my baby. Daniel, the next time someone say that, smack them in the neck because that's dangerous. I bet you if you talk to the people who are having a problem pivoting, those are the ones who are saying my business is my baby. They fell in love with the processes, the philosophies, and the world has shifted. I read, I read this book from good to great. Great companies, great entrepreneurs, understand that good is the enemy of great. So pivoting is only about two things, being able to be open and available to a new way of delivering product and service. Let me give you an example. Working with a client and client has retail, a product on retail shelves all across, the, across, the, all across America. However, what happens, guess what? If you can't, and that, but the world has shifted. Now that model worked very well, very lucrative for years and years and years. However, the, 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 they were very slow to move to e-commerce. You didn't have to do anything else. You got infrastructure. You got manufacturing. You got the product. But the one thing they didn't have was they never thought about it. So they brought me in. Was hey, the game is shifted now. People are going direct to consumer. Now you can fortify your position because you have all these distribution points. But then guess what? Now you have you can get direct to your your consumer. It took us months and months and months to get the owner to believe that. So. The game goes to the speed of the leader. I I challenge anyone on this call, don't fall in love with your bricks. Look at your customer base, look at your systems, your processes, your model, and just make sure that it is up to date. You know, up to date. I mean, might be operating out of an antiquated model. And the one thing I love about what's going on right now, I call this time, remember back in the day had the Great Depression. I coined this time the great exposure. This time is exposing our country, families, businesses to make sure that we are all fortified and we are flexible. And so that's my take on it, is that we have to be, even my business, it was so interesting because even before the pandemic, Robert, you all, you know what, it was something about getting on the plane. I love speaking, I love coaching, you know, being in front of the energy of the audience, but it was something about, about in November I do a thing called, every every year I do a thing called review, preview. So in November, I kind of park and I review last year. What worked, what didn't work, what people, what processes worked and didn't work. Then I preview the, the year coming up, I, I, I preview the year coming up, and in that review, preview this year, something told me, Ken, I didn't use the word pivot, I said, I have to get. I was antiquated, Robert. Look, I'm going to get on planes. I got my one sheeter. I had never did Zoom before. I had not for myself. And in November, before the pandemic hit, I set up my online class called "Mind Your Business and Watch It Grow." I said, Ken, I'm going to make sure that I integrate I integrate technology into my business and wrap it up. I did three cohorts. They were absolutely fabulous. Um, I fell in love with it, and then this hit so i'm asking other people do the same thing look at your business model be open be flexible and lastly don't fall in love with the business don't fall in love with the bricks don't people that's the that's that's the biggest problem because the world has shifted the world and and this i just work with a client right now and literally four weeks ago they did not have e-commerce we put together the infrastructure a shopping cart We did very little to marketing and we have actually, we've had, I just got off a meeting, almost 1,200 customers. Period. So it's not magic. It's just we open, we're humble, we're hungry. And lastly, we follow the revenue. I I, I love what Ford did. I love what Ford Motor Company did. I mean, whether you know, remember they make cars, but then guess what? They did the ultimate pivot. They went from making cars to ventilators. I have another client who they, they manufacture hair care products. So the manufacturer that we're dealing with, they stop, they, 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 they open up a line to do the still the hair care products, but guess what? They also open up a different shift and a, and a different line to do sanitizer. That is the best way to do it. You have to look at your infrastructure, look at your system, look at your, your, your people and see what the capacity is, and then follow the revenue, find a need and fill it, and be open Woo boy 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 that's, some good
3: stuff. <laughs> well,
2: that's a good my right there isn't it
3: page five of my notes now <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you gotta you gotta uh, you have to be able to assess the opportunity in all of it and so uh, i'll give a um, i'll just say the guy's first name robert and i have a friend named adam and uh he's in a business and he started talking about, you know, I'll be damned if I'm going to let a single employee go. And uh, a very, very, very big successful business here in New York. And he, he said, um, he goes, you know, my income has been dropping. I said, have you ever looked at the opportunity in all of it? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, right now, your top 10 contenders around you, your, your, your competition, if you will. I said, hey, you're the biggest but you could probably pick off six of the 10 closest to you right now at a quarter of the price and still help that family not lose their business because they're not big enough to sustain. They're going to go under like Robert's talking about the gyms. And you could expand in this market and still help them. Have you looked at that at the opportunity in front of you to help others and still grow and expand? Because this pandemic, will, we will get over the top of it. It's going to get a second wave, but we're going to get over the top of it. And the second thing in the opportunity in the pandemic for me, and I recorded this and got criticized by some people as being insensitive to the pandemic. And I said this, gosh, man, if I only had more time to spend with my family, gosh, if I only had time to get home and rest a little bit, you know, man, my marriage and I spent so much time on the road and doing the things I do. And I really haven't been able to nurture her and do You can do all that during a pandemic. You can come home, You can connect with your family and God. You can get those projects done around the house. You can teach those children and arm them with the power of knowledge of your experience. You can teach them about God. You can do things that you didn't have time to do before. Just cooking meals and doing the stuff I do with my kids and little projects doing the house has created a bond in us since March that is so significantly different than sticking a telephone and a television in front of them and running in for 10 minutes while I run upstairs to take a shower and run out and go to another (laughs) meeting. So, you know, while we bitch and moan about all the things that we don't have, there is a real opportunity. God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. There has been a, a, um, a stretching and tearing of the moral fiber of this country for some time. When you look at, ready for this? Has anyone told you all about the ecological impact of COVID on the world and on the United States? Do you know that there's new strains of animals and grasses that are growing around every river and lake in this country because less people are walking around them? fish that are now replentifying in the ocean because less fishing boats are going out because they can't be in close proximity and live on the boat. The air quality in Denver is 25 times cleaner than it was two years ago. I mean, stuff that that God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. God's kicking a big eraser out right now and he's going like this and he's telling us all to take a look at what's going on and and, and, and before it gets really, really bad. And I believe not that it's good and for those people who have lost someone during COVID-19, my heart goes out to you, what a terrible thing to ever lose someone. But there's a lot of opportunity out here for us to take a look at this situation and change. That's good stuff, man. That is
1: profound. And, you know, he, that, he nailed it right there. That, you know, Daniel, I don't care what they told you. That That's my sentiment as well. Cause the Bible tells us, you know, he says, God calls all things to work for his good. You know, I'm on my deck, and the bird. you can hear the birds, like, they're excited. I mean, dear, it, it just, I mean, people are more less tense. And what we think about this, remember they said, um, the only people who can go out are essential people, essential that's really what it makes, uh, this times make us look at this and say, is my business essential? How am I using my time? Am I spending my time with the most essential people, family, friends, and loved ones? Am I taking care of my health, both spiritual, mental health? And so I think these times, this is a perfect time for us to rest. And, and some people are so anxious to get back to the normal, but it, it, was, it, you know, was it fruitful though? Was it really fruitful? It was not fruitful. So I, I concur with that, that there is some good in this, um, you know, the loss. You know, um, unfortunately, it is unfortunate, but there have been some, some, good, some, some good things that come out of this, and you know, it. it's the, the health and the environment. My father always talked about gluttony, with gluttonous. You know, we're just using up all our natural resources, and God said, you know what? Be still. Be still. Rest. And we're coming out of it, but I concur with that. That is the biggest lesson It. my wife and I, we work out of the home together and our, rest, our relationship was always solid, but I have fell in love, so deeply in love with this woman. Um, it's so, we cleave to each other. My son, my son's come here and help work, you know, um, having these high level, com- I mean, intimate conversations, intimate conversations. To your point, Daniel, things that we couldn't do. You know, I think oftentimes entrepreneurs, we, I, I always challenge my clients to say, you know, don't, don't mistake activity for productivity. I'm going to say it again for you. Don't mistake activity for productivity. you fill filling your calendar up, but at the end of the day, are you fruitful? And I can be honest, there was times that my calendar was full, but it wasn't fruitful. So this time has made me say, I'm only, go, look, don't spend major time don't major in the minors don't spend major time doing minor things don't spend major time with minor people and all people you love them but minor people people are going to do four things in your life they're either going to add multiply divide or subtract i'm going to say it again for you people <laughs> places <laughs> things thoughts, places, theme, thoughts habits they're going to do one of four things they're either going to add to your life your dreams they're going to divide multiply take it away we have to make sure two things that we have to eradicate it, that anybody, any thought, any habit that is dividing or taken away is unproductive. The Bible says a double minded man is stable in all his ways. So if think about it, you could have a thousand, a million fans on social media, but numbers don't lie. Men lie, numbers don't lie. Think about it. One times a million, I mean, zero times a million is what? Zero. zero. A million times. 100 million is zero. So if those people are not adding or multiplying, they're not doing anything. Woo! Come on, somebody. Uh, hey,
2: okay, hey, all right. So, so let me summarize the rest of the people. And so I, I, every time I get to do a show, I re-fall in love with Barbara. I just have to look at Barbara. <laughs> and I re-fall in love with her. Now, Robert, on the other hand, he fell in love 12 times last month. <laughs> come on!
0: Hey, hey. so Ken, Every show, so we have a good 10 minutes left. We do okay. like a little rapid fire. So ah, okay. we're, Our goal is to ask you three questions each. So okay, okay. the faster you can answer the question, um, then the faster or more likely we can all get in our three questions, Dill, Deal? Deal. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna start it off, then we'll go to Barbara and go to Daniel. And uh, once we go around three times and we'll give you last words, we'll say goodbye. Sound like a plan? Thank you. Okay. So my question right now is that you have a lot of people complaining about the climate that's taking place right now with politics, uh, COVID-19, the shutdown, uh, and we've touched on a lot of things that have people, you know, keep your eyes open, look for opportunities, feel the need, blah blah blah. What words of encouragement could you give people right now who feel like they they've lost hope?
1: Okay, that's good. Take it one day at a time. Hope is being able to see past today. Hope is being able to tee pass today. day. In these times, you got to take it one step, one day at a time, period, point blank.
3: Love it. Nice. Okay, Ken. So you mentioned earlier, and I love this quote, you said, find a need and fill it. That's wow. awesome. So what advice or what tip would you give an entrepreneur, whether it's a, an inspiring <laughs> entrepreneur or a seasoned one? What tip would you give them to make sure they're actually giving their customers what they want and need versus what you know you want and you know think that they should have? How do you get the difference there?
1: It's, it's customer service. You know, so listen to your customers, dial in. I just get off the phone every day. I make it a habit to call five customers and I listen to the listening. The Bible says be quick to say slow to speak and quick to listen. As entrepreneurs, we gotta do a better job of listening to our customers because when we listen to people, I know my experience has been, Barbara, guess what? When I don't have to sell my customers, I consult to them. And when you go there and you listen to them and then you wind up finding what they need and then you say, oh, I can feel that. So the the short answer is you have to listen to your customers, Quit quit trying to sell them and fix it for them and simply listen. Listen to them and get involved with and, and understand their business.
3: Nice. Love it. Thank you.
2: My pleasure. Wow. Is that me now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with for me an easy, an easy question. Um, but uh uh he him have come up, we've skated around talking about it, so I'm gonna come right out and get you with it. And that is um Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior for me. Um, I don't tell anybody what they need to believe or what they should do. Um, um, he is very prevalent, obviously, Ken, in your life. Wow. How have you been able to integrate um, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ in in a what can be um, a very non-believing world? Wow, man, Bob,
1: you gonna make me cry, brother.
3: Um,
1: you know, because you just said something. Think about because remember back in the day they had those old bands that said what would Jesus do? Think about Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. He had the he had authority over everything. Don't miss this. But he never exercised his authority. He used his influence. That's why two thousand years later we ain't never seen him, but we still follow him because leaders leadership is not about authority. It's about influence. So for me, when I'm any any sphere I'm in. I simply serve people. My email is called Servant Leader One. And so the one thing about it, you ask this question, I don't care if you're a non-believer or a believer, people know the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace. So when I go into an atmosphere, let me say this for you, it's a thermostat or a thermometer. See, I'm in my house right now and if it was cold, I can go to the thermostat and I can turn it down, and then guess what happens? In a couple of minutes, the whole atmosphere changes, right? But if I'm in a food business, so we want to take t- t- check our food quality, we use a thermometer. And one thing about a thermometer is, you take the thermometer, and what it does is, it, if you put it in a refrigerator, it adjusts to the temperature in the refrigerator. I take it out the calibrator, put it on the counter, it adjusts. So how where my faith is, whenever I go into the, to, to an atmosphere, I simply go in there with the fruits of the spirit, without saying it, with love, peace, joy. And it's so interesting, I was just sharing with my wife in the post office yesterday and I went in there and I was just talking to the gentleman about uh, about our business and a lady came to me and said, you know what? She said, um, "She said, um, you are an amazing man. She didn't even know me. She said, I feel your spirit. That's So right now, Daniel, This is our opportunity. This is our moment because people are in the dark. They're hurting. This is our time. It's to not hit them over the head with the Bible. It's to show up. Show up with love, peace, joy. And it's so interesting that the law matter, I'll end by saying this: the law matter cannot occupy the same space. When faith comes up, fear has to go away. Come on, somebody, help me out. (laughs) When light comes, when light shows up, darkness can't exist. I just employ that every day. I I don't do nothing special. I just do me um, with love, with passion, and conviction. And I operate with the fruits of the spirit, even my business. You know, it's certain principles I use. People talk about minimum wage. You know, I say minimum wage means I'll pay you less, but it's against the law. So guess what? If I pay people more, guess what? Then I'm going to get their attention. I get their attention, then they're going to start looking at me. They watch. My manager's in my company. Guess what? I don't give them the o and manual. We got a John Maxwell book on leadership. It's ingrained leadership principles with Christians. So in certain ways, I've woven that into my life and my business. Um, but it's not challenging, man. The one thing I think we can't do is we cannot um, beat people over the head with it. We have to be open, loving to them. And, and then I'm telling you, they are there waiting for us to be the light. That makes sense? Yes. mm mm-hmm.
0: This All right, so we, so we have five minutes, you guys. Um, so my question, you know, your mom and dad did, obviously, an amazing job raising you and your siblings. Um, I'm very interested to know, like, is your mom and dad alive, like, at this moment? Great question. My
1: mom just called me. We talk every day. She's 70 years old. Um, an amazing, amazing human being because she, uh, uh, Daniel, and your, she, she gave her life. She gave her life so we can have an abundant life. And I'll always be, everything I do is for them, not for me. My father at 57, look, Robert, my father was a help. My father ran the New York Marathon. He lived in Pasadena. He moved to Pasadena, California, ran the LA Marathon, Chicago Marathon. My father was railroad, had libraries. But my father, and I, I applaud you for what you do because your health is your wealth. But my father thought he was Superman. My father never went to the doctor. He was healthy. But guess what? My father went to the doctor and found out he had colon cancer. Oh. they gave him six months to live. That that gentleman was still loved us and didn't tell us that he had it. Called me one day and said, Ken, I want to see all my grandkids. Flew every all my all my father, all, all my siblings and the kid out to Disney. Had a great time. My father survived for three years. Then I got a call one day from his girlfriend saying, your father is in the hospital, flew there overnight, got there. My father was in intensive care. I walked in the door, Daniel, he said, boy, you incredible. What you doing here? Oh, my goodness. And my father sat there and the doctor said, John, did you give your advanced directives? And he gave this doctor this stare because he loved us so much. He wanted to protect us. He didn't want. He went through that by himself. And my father never came out the hospital. He died at 57 years old of colon cancer. Um, but let me tell you something. Don't you dare feel sorry for me. Because my father taught me something. He said, "He said your life should outlive you. What you're saying right here, you all, it's not me. It's the fruit of what my father and mother put in me, the sacrifices they put into me. And so we, we, we spent so much time worrying about the length of our life. My father died at 57 years old, but guess what? He did more than most people 80 years old did because guess what? He played full out. So no, he died at 57, Robert, in 2007, man. But the memories that he left here, he used to always tell us, he said, we should always leave something here, information. I wrote three books. I get information, love, because we gonna, we going to leave. But he lived a wonderful, rich life in 57 years. But my mom... She's still involved. She just called me, Ken, talk to your wife and see if it's okay for us to come down on the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Really? <laughs> you, gotta ask, you gotta ask for permission? That She asked me for permission because guess what? She knows that my youngest son is going off to college and she will not miss that. You all, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? Powerful. Wow.
3: Thank
1: you.
0: Thank oh, you, Ken. That
3: was amazing. Oh, okay, so... I mean, you probably can imagine as entrepreneurs, it can be very challenging to keep a balance, you know, work, life, family, all that. How do you keep that balance where you have obviously a a you know a successful business, but then also put that same kind of attention to your to your wife,
1: to that's your good.
3: kids. How do you how do you do that? Because that is a struggle.
1: Barbara, you 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 a plant, Bob. I think Barbara's a plant, you all. That, that's a loaded question. No, you know mm-hmm. why, Barbara? Guess what? I wasn't always good at that. Can I be honest with you, Robert? Can I be transparent on this? I hope so.
3: No, and and I ask that because I struggle. I struggle there.
1: I'm going to help you out with that. That's so powerful. I will say this by saying first things first. First things first. Priorities. I didn't have priorities at first because I was taught. See, most things are not taught. They're caught. As an entrepreneur, I was taught. I caught people saying, you got to grind. You got to hustle. You do that. And so when I, when I got my experience, my opportunity, my wife and I, we were married and we moved from Chicago to Michigan to buy, this, buy these franchises and we had a deal. You stay home and take care of the baby because they were small and I'll go out and do the build the business. I would leave my home in the morning at 4.30 in the morning. I wouldn't come back home until 12, 12.30 at night because I had a loan for $3 million. I had to pay $27,000 back a month. I had one hundred employees that were dependent on me so I felt like I was doing the right thing because you divide and conquer. Daddy's going out to provide, taking care of the business. Mom's at home, taking care of the babies. We had a deal that when our youngest son went to kindergarten, then if you so choose to, you can go back to work. Then guess what happened? Our business exploded. And she said she didn't want to work in the business anymore. She wanted to be a wife and a mom. I said, okay. And I unconsciously, it's called unconscious consciousness. I unconsciously spend too much time in my business working in my business instead of on my business. And I said, again, for you all, I spent too much time working in the business instead of on my business and I'm out at dinner. Look, think I'm doing the same thing. Barbara, every Friday we had a date on our calendar. Now I thought I was doing the right thing, but guess what? While we on the date, guess what I'm doing? Answering the phone. Everything okay? Look at that drive-thru. I, I, my phone got a camera on my phone watching the drive through Hey, it's 10 cars in the drive through Let's go team, let's go. I think I'm doing the right thing, but I, I missed it. And my wife one day told me, she said, I feel empty. Guess what I told her? I called a coach and said, coach my wife. She needed coaching. Total miss. One day I came home, be- beautiful house, 5,000 square foot of house. Millions of dollars in the bank. I mean, literally millions of in the bank. And my youngest, my middle son, who just left here, gave me a kiss before I got on here, and I never forget. Two story, Barbara. I'm sitting there, and my wife would. I would come home, and she would go out to go shopping or whatever. And I'm with the kids. My middle son sat there, and he would always cry. I was there to cut the biblical cord on my kids, and I said, "What's wrong with him?" And he said, "I don't like you, Dad." And I, I was crushed. He said, I don't know you. I'm there every day. My wife looked at me, I said, what's wrong with him? She said, it's not him. She said, Ken, we don't want your presence. We want your presence. Woo, chicken nugget chalk, i said say it again for you. She said, Ken, we don't want your presence, your stuff, clothes, cars, cosmetics. All we want is your presence. Any entrepreneur out there who out there balling out, hustling, grinding, Keep first things first, family first. You know what family means, you all? Family means, forget about me, I love you. Oh my goodness, stay ready for this, Robert. I to say it again for me. <laughs> family means, forget about me, I love you. And one thing I've learned about ladies, gentlemen, is this. Ladies do not want anything to be in front of them. If you're working a lot, that is infidelity because you're cheating on your wife because you cannot put anything in front of your wife and your family. I learned that. My wife wound up giving me divorce papers and divorced me because of it. I'll take ownership of it, but guess what? Now I got a, bu- oh, boy! come on, somebody. But guess what? I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson, but I didn't know I was doing the wrong thing. I'm coachable. I'm coachable now, and I can tell anyone, never put your business in front of your family. Even if it's unconscious, it's not an excuse. That's why you should have a coach because never take lessons from a coach who never played the game. Boy, I'm going to lose my man up in here, y'all.
0: All right. Well, hey, <laughs> we, that was great. So, <coughs> so last question is coming from Daniel, you guys. And you've been amazing, Ken. Seriously. <laughs>
2: all right, Ken, you ready?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: All right. There's, there's the business. There's your health. There's you. There's your family. There's all these things. But if you had to say, What's the answer to this question? What's the thing? What's the one thing? What's the key to all of it? Thank you, and I'm,
1: and I'm, being, I'm not being pretentious. Every morning I get up, while my family is asleep, and I come down in a living room, and I get straight, or I go into a quiet space. And I unplug, and I plug in. Can I say it again for you? I unplug, and I plug in. I plug into my source and I pray, I'm thankful, I call, I say, I, I'm t- I surrender. I do that before my family wake up because that's sometimes a distraction. So that I've done that for years and years and years. I unplug and plug in, connected to my source. Seek ye first the kingdom. All that's and that's not religion, that's that's the facts. Does that make sense? That keeps me grounded. I don't get up in the morning looking at social media, looking at this. The first look, see, Tyler. <laughs> In our church they said tithing is about money. I'm not the one, I, I, I tithe, but guess what? The first thing God wants is your time and your mind. So I give it to him. Give it to him. Come on, somebody, y'all. Ooh. Amen! <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Can
2: hey. I get
0: a witness?
2: <laughs>
0: well, you know, you're, you're speaking Daniel's uh, language right there. <laughs>
2: Five o'clock in the morning, every morning, I'm on my knees. Then I go get my coffee, I let the dogs out, I wow. pray and meditate every wow. single day. And guess what,
1: Daniel? And we, and guess what, because two are better than one. So every Friday, we got a group of guys from all across the country, and guess what we get up? These are executives, leaders get on the phone, guess what we do? We not pastors, we just give him the glory, and we cover our families. That is just so rich, man. Not religion, you all. We're talking about a relationship with the Abba Father. Woo! I love it when we call him Biggie Pot. Oh, the show Stopper. Y'all play too much. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Hey, hey oh. yeah, I, I told these guys, hey, so who's our guest? I
0: go, man, let's just roll with
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Best guest, best guest we've ever had on this show. Oh, brother, come on, man! I, mean, hey. I swear, I, I wouldn't lie to you. Wow, wow. I lie to you. We, we appreciate
0: you, Cam. Man, you're a good, you're a good guy, and, and I, you shared a lot of nuggets.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know I benefited. I always benefit from you, man. Yeah, from I you.
1: appreciate you all. What y'all do, man? Thanks for being the light in this dark time. You all and y'all energy, man. I feel it through here. That's everything. Just continue to give good, positive energy. Stay humble and hungry. Lastly, I'm going to say the best way to predict the future is to create it. God gave us dominion down here. Keep him first. Surrender. And remember, y'all, in closing, it's not about you, but it's up to you. Mind your business, you all. Woo baby. Come on, <laughs> baby. Yeah,
2: baby.
0: All right, you guys. Hey, thank you for another great show. As we we always end cam by just helping people, just just be inspired, you know, to, to get healthy, to be healthy, and it's always to stay healthy. Stay healthy. All right,
3: man.
1: God bless Amen. you. Amen. God bless, man. Thanks.